Welcome, everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. And again, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you decided to tune in and to join us for one of our weekend worship experiences. We said every week that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your challenge, and we know right now in this season, they are many. Man, we just believe that God can meet you where you are and change your life forever. So, man, as we dig into God's Word today, open up your heart. Man, give me an amen where you are. I can feel it where you are. So let's shout. Let's agree together. Let's God, man, just speak to us. To all of our Faith Church family, man, we are looking forward to the time that we can be back together in person. But until then, man, we consider this a great privilege to meet you in your home, on your screen, and still continue to be your pastor, to be your church, and to speak into your life. And for all of our VIPs, all of our guests, if this is the first time you've ever joined us, man, we want you to know how excited we are that you're with us. And again, man, we're just believing that God's going to use this content. God's going to use this message to speak into your life. So listen, man, it's just going to be exciting. We are finishing a series that we started several weeks ago entitled Rebranded. And the whole idea of this series is, is that as we go through life, we pick up tags and titles and brands, names people put on us, right? And sometimes it was somebody making a joke or making light, but it was something that really hurt us. It was something that got embedded in our heart and has just defined who, who we are. And what we have found out is that sometimes those brands and tags and titles that people put on us in middle school or our parents put on us or a coach or a teacher, that sometimes those things can hurt us in such a way that they limit us or they hinder us from really walking out our destiny. But sometimes people can speak a word over us. Sometimes someone can encourage us with such a powerful name or a compliment that those things are motivating, they're encouraging, they're life-giving. And so what we have been doing through this series is identifying some of the tags, titles, and brands that sometimes we put on ourselves or other people have put on us. And we're figuring out that God's given us some new titles, that God's given us some new tags. And the entire line in this series is this, is that when you come into a relationship with your Redeemer, you get rebranded. Again, God just gives us a brand new identity. And so today I want to look at how we've been branded very specifically by God. As we end this series, I want to hone into one very specific title, one tag, one name, one brand that I think is really bigger than all of them. But before we go there, let me ask you a question. I want you to think about for a minute these words, and as you hear these terms, just allow your mind to go there. What do you think of when you hear the term electrician? What do you think of when you hear the term football coach? What do you think of when you hear the term educator? Now, for those three, and we can go on and on, for all of those, each and every one of those terms are very easily definable right? We know right away what a football coach is or isn't. We know right away um, what an electrician is or isn't. Right now, I think a lot of us, we have figured out what an educator is or isn't. <laughs> Man, we just can't celebrate the educators enough. Thank you for loving our kids and educating them. For all of us in the season of COVID that had to do some homeschooling, we have taken you for granted. Like We thought we were educators, but we found out we're not. And not only are those terms easily definable, but they're easily relatable. And when I say that, I mean, based on the definition, I know right away whether I'm an electrician or not. I know right away whether I'm a football coach or not, whether I'm an educator or not, whether I'm a firefighter or not. Again, we can go on and on. Here's a term, though, I want you to think about as we dig in just a little bit deeper, is think about the term Christian. And what do you think of when you think of that term? 
I mean, probably, even though we can come to a consensus on the other terms, electrician, educator, it's very difficult to come to a consensus on the title, tag, and brand of Christian. If you ask a 1,000 people, you probably would get a 1,000 different terms. For some people, a Christian is a prayer we prayed. It's a class we finished. You know, we, we went through, and we went through confirmation. For some of us, a Christian is where we go on Sunday mornings. It's our, it's our political affiliation. It's, it's not that we're a Christian. It's, you know, we're going through the list and I'm not an atheist. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a Muslim. So I guess I'm a Christian. You know, again, for all of us trying to pin down the definition or the term title tag or brand of a Christian, it's just hard. It's just so difficult to really get in. Here's what's more crazy is think about how outsiders, people who are outside of church or outside of faith, how they would define a Christian. Because even if on the inside, those who are part of the faith, even if we could come to a consensus, which I don't think we could, probably many people outside probably would not have very complimentary ways to describe the term Christian. But here's where I want to, what I want to dig in is because there are 7 billion people on this, on this planet and 3 billion of them almost half describe or define themselves as Christian. Did you know, even though that is the most common term to define people of faith, that the term tag title of Christian was never given to us by God? God never gave us that title. In fact, we're gonna find in one of the very few places that it was used in scripture that the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the biographical sketches of the life of Jesus. And they're all about his life, death, and resurrection. And as you step into the fifth book of the New Testament, the book of Acts, basically it picks up with the birth of the church, the beginning of this movement out of what Jesus taught and out of what Jesus did, the gospel being spread, the good news, the hope that comes in Christ going across this people planet. And it's not until Acts chapter 11, verse 26, that you see for the very first time this tag Christian shows up. And I want you to see it because it's pretty profound. It says, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So I want you to see this again. Basically, this is saying that people who weren't Christians called Christians Christians. So the outsiders tag the insiders with the name Christian. Again, hear this, it's saying that the believers, the believers were called Christians. So we didn't, we didn't make up that title. Jesus didn't give us that title. God didn't call us that. Ultimately, it was people who were outside watching this new movement, watching this group of people live their lives. And they said, hey, they must be of that Jesus group. They're of that Jesus clique. And they gave us the title Christian. But I want you to back up because the Bible says again in that verse that it was the believers who were first called Christians. So now watch this. Other people called us Christians, but in the first century, many times they call themselves believers. And we talked about this last week. Come on, we are believers. Everybody shout believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer because I believe. Specifically, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the savior of the world. We believe that Jesus lived perfectly, died sacrificially, and rose bodily. Like that's the basics of being a Christian is we put our faith very specifically in, again, the power and in the promises of Jesus. And why all of that is really important, where I want to just go in this last week of rebranded, is just I want to go just a little bit deeper because these tags, titles, and brands that people have put on us and we put on ourselves is not the one that God put on us. 
In fact, the word Christian is only used three times in the entire New Testament. And two out of those three are outsiders calling insiders Christians. The word believer, the the tag title and brand of believer is something that's used periodically, but it's only used four or five times in the entire New Testament. But I'm gonna tell you something, the brand that God puts on us, the title that he gives us as people of faith, the tag that he puts on us and calls us to live to, we find is this word disciple. Everybody say disciple. The word disciple is used over 300 times. Christian three, believer four, disciple 300 times. In fact, Matthew chapter 28, this is Jesus towards the end of his ministry. And I want you to hear the instructions that he's giving to this group of people. Again, he calls them his disciples. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples. Come on, everybody at home, say that word. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I want you to notice this again. Jesus doesn't call Christians to go make Christians. He doesn't call believers to go make believers. Jesus calls people of faith disciples, and he says, I want you to go make some more disciples. So we're going to talk about what that is, but what I want you just to buy into is this prolific phrase used throughout the New Testament is really the finest, most complete description of who we are as Christians, as people of faith, as as believers, and there's so much here. And I want you to know, man, God looks at you if you are in a faith journey and your tag title and brand is that you are a disciple. Now, I want you to see in what's known as the Great Commission, what we just read, the final words that Jesus gives his disciples. He says, I want you to to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go make the disciples. And he says, I want you to do this. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to teach them to obey all my commands. Now, this is, this is, this is so big because, again, this word disciple uh, is, I want you just to hear this. There's a difference, real quick. There's a difference between identification and application. Now, listen to this. What Jesus is telling disciples is that there's part of what we do that is our identification, and then there's part of what we do that's our application. Let me just give you a real practical difference between identification and application. Have you ever known somebody who wears a wedding ring but still flirts? Have you ever known somebody who wears a wedding ring but they've cheated on their spouse maybe multiple times? Like, I know that's not popular to talk about, but I know people like that. I'm sitting out at dinner with somebody. They are married. They, are, they have their wedding ring on, but they're flirting with the waitress. Come on, you know what the wedding ring does? The wedding ring is our identification. It identifies us as being married but it's how we live out our life. It's the choices we make. It's the decision to love my spouse, to stay committed to her, to love her or to love him, right? That's what it is. So who cares about the identification if there's no application? You can wear the ring, but we need to live the life. And what Jesus is calling us to and what he's saying our brand is, is that again, we're not just Christians. Christians believe some stuff. That's not to undervalue what we believe, it's a call to begin to live. 
Again, there's a difference between identification and application. Jesus says, in order to make disciples, he says, first of all, you gotta give them some identification. You do that through baptism. You may not understand the power of baptism, but in baptism, we identify with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. When somebody, come on, and some of you who've celebrated water baptism, maybe you didn't understand the significance of that spiritual moment, but the same way Jesus died, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day rose from the dead, the Bible makes it clear that when we are baptized, we identify with Jesus, that when we go under the water, our old lifestyle, our old attitude, our old habits, it's going under the water like it's dying, and we're coming up in newness of life. That's our identification. But Jesus doesn't stop there. As disciples, we're not just called to an identification, we're called to an application. He says, now, after they have this identification, now I want you to teach them, I want you to teach them, and their job is not just to be taught, but their job is to obey. Teach these new disciples to obey. Come on. So here's the disciple. Here's the definition of a disciple. A disciple simply and not just for us today, but it's always been this way in the first century as the description is used by Jesus. A disciple is a student, a learner, or a pupil. A disciple is simply someone who's learning to be like their teacher. A disciple, a pupil, is somebody who's taking cues from Christ, who's learning to be like Jesus. Probably the best thing I can give you as you watch this, and man, you can get this and you can tune out, because I'm just going to build on this, but I want you to hear this. A disciple is someone who makes a decision that Jesus' decisions are gonna be their decision. Let me say that again. A disciple is someone who determines Jesus' decisions, those are gonna be my decisions. If Jesus loves people, I'm gonna love people. If Jesus loves his enemies, I'm gonna love my enemies. If Jesus is generous, I'm gonna be generous. If Jesus is sacrificial, I'm gonna be sacrificial. Come on, if Jesus goes out of his way to help people, I'm gonna go out of my way to help people. Come on, that, so that's what a disciple is. A disciple isn't just an identification like I'm a Christian. It's not a baptism. It's not a, it's not a set of rules. It's not a class you go through. It's not a book you complete. It's not a place you visit on Sunday. Being a disciple, it starts with an identification, but it moves to an application that it's not just what we believe, it's how we behave. It's not just something we learned, it's something we start to live. Disciple. Ah, and it's, the challenge is it raises the game, but it's our call. Man, God has called us, not believers, not Christians, but disciples. You are a disciple. And check this out. Before, really, they were called even disciples. I just want to take just one step back. Before they were even called disciples, they were called followers. They were called followers. In fact, when Jesus met his first disciples, when Jesus invited the first crew to start following him to get on his team, Mark, the gospel of Mark records this, and we could, there's a lot of sections of scripture we could look at, but I'm just gonna hone into this one part. Mark chapter one, listen to this. Verse 16 to 18, it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. So here's two guys, they're on a regular career path in that in that place, in that time, it was common to be fishermen. Jesus approaches these two fishermen on the seashore on the Sea of Galilee. 
And notice what he says to him, verse 17. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. I love this because basically what we're seeing is that like there's this progression that you start in this spiritual journey as a follower and very quickly, and you'll see this throughout the New Testament, people go from being a follower to being a disciple and then being a disciple defines the rest of our journey. But the reason I love this simple definition and description of the progression is because for me, it helps let me a little bit off the hook. Come on, some of you are watching this and you've tapped out on faith because you can't be that yet because you don't know if you believe it all yet. You don't know if you can walk it all out, all out yet. And some of you just said, listen, if I can't do it all, I'm not gonna do any of it. Now, here's the good news is this spiritual journey is a journey of maturity, which means we don't wake up mature. We don't decide one day to love Jesus and all of a sudden we're finished. Come on, you and me, we're a work in progress. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere. We are becoming more and more like the more and more like the Christ we're following as disciples, we're learning from him to live like him. And so I just want you to know, come on, this is good news. There's, there's a journey involved. But again, followers, everybody say followers. followers. If something is in, as you read through, you see that all of them started their journey. The disciples started their journey as followers. There's something about a follower. You got to dig in to understand something about direction and distance. Because when you read through the Gospels, you'll see some people were following Jesus. They were walking the same direction Jesus walked. But some of them, man, heard some of his teachings that were hard. Jesus, come on, Jesus said some things that were difficult to hear. Jesus taught some things that people didn't know if they were willing to buy into yet. And the Bible says that they left Jesus. They, they were, come on, they, they were following a different direction now. And it's not just about direction, it's about distance. I can't encourage you. Listen to this. Come on. When distance, distance creates distractions. When, when, what I say by that is, and early, come on, if you're a young driver, you know this, or if you're just a crazy driver. Come on. I don't know any crazy drivers, but I heard of some. <laughs> crazy drivers are the drivers that get up on the rear end of the car in front of them when you're doing 75-ish on your way to the beach. And you know this, when you're too close to the car in front of you, you can't see around the car because all you can see is what's right in front of you. I'm telling you, that's a bad idea to do on the expressway, but I'm just telling you, that's what you should do as you're a follower of Jesus. You ought to get as close as you can because, come on, distance determines distractions. If we get too far away and we fall back, come on, that's how we start getting hypocritical. That's how we start getting judgmental because we, we pull too far back and all of a sudden we can see everybody around it. When you get so close to Jesus that he's the only one you can see, that means I got time to worry about anybody else. I don't have time to focus on anybody else. That's what a disciple is. There's an old Hebraic phrase that was a blessing to disciples, and it was this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, which was a term for a teacher. May you be covered. Basically, get so close to following Jesus that as he kicks up dust off the dusty road, you're so close to him, you just get covered in it a follower. And the other side of it, again, man, is, is association leads to replication, which means when you follow Jesus close enough and long enough, you will naturally start to become like him. We all know that principle is true. If you ever had your parents warn you of somebody you were hanging out with or tell you you couldn't be with them, and it was always, at least when I was growing up, my parents didn't want me to hang out with certain people because they didn't want me to become like them. 
right? You are who you run with. You are who you hang out with. Show me your crowd, right? And I'll show you how you live. Show me your people show, and I'll show you your future. Come on, that principle holds true as we are followers and disciples of Jesus. The closer we get to him and the longer we follow him, the more we'll become like him. Disciples, followers, again, they eventually, man, just made this decision that Jesus' decisions were going to become their decisions. They started with following and they eventually bought in and they started learning from the disciples. They started learning from Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a couple of things here. Like what was, what was the point? What was the point of having followers? Well, following is about finding out who God is. When Jesus invited these men to be his followers, part of what he wanted them to follow for was as they followed Jesus, they would get a better definition of who God was. See, at this time, religion had so corrupted who God was, had so had made God far away, had made God distant, had made God unreachable. And so Jesus showed up, and one of the things he said was, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Come and if you'll, if you'll watch me, if you'll see how I treat people, how I love people, how I live, if you'll see my choices, you'll know the heart of the Father. You'll know how God feels about you. And so, again, part of the purpose that Jesus invited the disciples to follow Jesus was so they would have a greater understanding of who God was. And so Jesus said things like this. Jesus taught for the very first time that God isn't just a God who's far away. God is a God who's close. In fact, he's so close, he's our heavenly father. And so he's our heavenly father and we're his kids. God, we're in a, this is a relationship, it's not a religion. One of the things that Jesus taught was that that God is, that Jesus, that he's divine and we're the branches, that, that life isn't found sitting in a building. I know some of you are upset because you can't be here on Sunday mornings or you can't show up at a campus somewhere. Come on, the, the life isn't through a building. It's not through a seat. It's not through a place. It's, it's in a relationship with the creator of the universe that he's divine and we're the branch. And so it was this brand new discovery that for them, life wasn't going, going to the temple. Life was being connected to the creator. And so he's the vine and we're the branches. And Jesus taught this one that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. That he has a perspective we don't have, but he offers the safety we can never get on our own. And so in this brand new identity, Jesus was saying, hey, come follow me and you'll start to learn some things about who God is. But he says this, this is so cool. Watch this in Mark chapter, uh, what we just read in verse 17. Watch this, Jesus called out to them and said, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people, which means if you're taking notes, right, it wasn't just about finding out who God was. Following is also about finding out who, who we are. He's saying, listen, if you'll follow me, you'll get, you'll get a new identity. You'll get a new purpose. You'll get a new goal in life. You'll get a new agenda. You will get a new belief system. If you follow me long enough and close enough, you'll start to identify with my passions. You'll start to identify with my convictions, and that's the goal. But listen, Jesus, he says, these guys are lifelong fishermen. Now, if you know just a little bit about Jesus, he grew up at least, right, his natural occupation was a carpenter. And I just don't think it's right for a carpenter to tell a fisherman how to fish. But that's what Jesus says. Jesus says these lifelong fishermen, this has been a multi-generational business, like their granddaddy was a fisherman, their daddy was a fisherman, their fisherman, their, their kids are gonna be fishermen. And Jesus sees them on the seashore 
casting a net. And he says, hey, come and follow me and I'll show you how to fish for men. That's a career change. That's a financial change. That's a lifestyle change, which again, what, what I'm telling you is when you follow Jesus, when you become a disciple, it changes everything. It's not where you go on Sunday. It's not a list of commands you feel like you have to follow. It's not a class you take. It's not a baptism you go through. It's not a prayer you pray. It is a life you live to be like the one you follow, disciple. Here's the thing is, on all these, again, we're talking about tags, titles, and brands. I don't know if you caught this, but in some of the ones I just talked about, they're corresponding tags, titles, and brands, right? He's our heavenly father, which makes us his children. It's a corresponding tag, title, or brand that he's the vine and we're the branch, that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. Let me give you another one. The most used definition, tag, title, or brand of us as people of faith is a disciple. Did you know the most used tag, title, and brand of Jesus? Did you know it was master in the New Testament? And the word master means instructor. So he's the master and we're the disciple, which means he's the instructor and we're the student. Mark chapter one, verse 22. This is what people had to say about Jesus as a teacher. This is, this is the way people, when they heard him teach, when they watched him teach, this was their takeaway of his talent as a teacher. And the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Like there was all kinds of teachers, but when Jesus showed up to teach, again, teachers teach students. Jesus was the ultimate teacher. It said somewhere else in the New Testament that people were amazed at how he taught. I'm just telling you, Jesus was a next level teacher and next level teachers are able to produce next level students. Uh, some of you are hearing probably all this talk about teaching and students, and you're kind of panicking, but I'm, here's some good news. See, there's a difference between sitting in a regular classroom and listening, listening to a regular teacher and maybe hoping or banking on you remember the lesson. I'm telling you, when Jesus taught, when the word of God goes forth, it's not just up to you to listen. There's something about the power of God's word that transforms the heart just by sitting underneath of it. That's why people need to be in church, whether it's digitally or in person. There is no better place to be to shape your life, define who you are, create your character, and make sure that your destiny is in place than being underneath God's word. Jesus was an ultimate teacher because it changed the lives of those who listen. Jesus was a teacher who made disciples, not just by their decision, but by his power. See, as you read through, man, the Bible, God's word, Again, it's authority. There's all these words you find in the New Testament that describe what the word is, what the Bible is, when it goes forth, what it does in our hearts. It's It's a fire that burns up old stuff. It's a hammer that breaks up hard stuff. It's a seed that brings forth new stuff. It's a lamp that guides our life. It's water that cleanses our life. It's bread that feeds our life. It's a sword that cuts stuff out of our life. Come on, there's something. When Jesus taught The reason people experience such incredible life change is because he was a teacher like no other. Which means if if you'll allow yourself to buy the brand that he's put on us as disciples and put yourself in the regular place of following close to your rabbi, to your teacher, to your master, to your instructor, you're gonna steadily and consistently become more like the one you follow because the power of his word is transforming. That's why, man, I I, I consider what I get to do the highest privilege 
Well, I'm thankful for all the different professions and all the different people I can turn to in my life, whether it's a banker or a counselor, a counselor or a, 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 a firefighter or write an educator. Well, I'm so thankful for all the career paths that so many of you are on. Man, I just want you to know, come on, listen, I got, I got the best job because there is nothing that will define a life and determine a destiny and a direction in somebody like the preaching of God's word. Because when God's word goes forth, it changes lives. Jesus, come on, he's our teacher and we're called to be his disciples. Begin the goal. So here's the goal again. I said this earlier, right? There's a difference between identification and application. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, digs into. He goes down this path and basically saying like, it's not enough to show up in church and hear a message. It's not enough to sit down on Sunday morning with a cup of coffee and your PJs. I caught you. It's not enough. It's not enough even to take notes. It's not enough to get the lesson. He's saying at some point, the difference between a Christian and a disciple, the difference between a religious person and a person who's following Jesus, the difference isn't just what you learn. It's what you apply. Listen to this. He says, verse, uh, James says this, James 1, 22 to 25. He says, but don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. Come on, everybody say, do it. I'm just telling you, James said it long before Nike ever, ever made it a brand. Just do it. Don't just listen to it. Don't just hear it. Don't just take notes about it. You have to do it. Don't just get an identification. Get an application. Don't just get baptized. Go live what you learned. He says, otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So this is all of us, again, talking about some educators, all of us who are educators, you know this, or all of you who've been in that, in that branch or in that field as an educator, or for all the rest of us who have just been students, we know there's a pretty big gap between a listener and a learner. Like there's just a big gap between the student who shows up and yeah, he's in class and yeah, he might even be looking at you while you're teaching your lesson and he might even be taking notes. He's probably texting, but he might even be taking notes. But there's a difference between the listener and the learner. Think about how every class starts. Every class, at least many that I've been in, especially junior high, high school, all the way through college, right? Every class starts with attendance and ends with the test. It starts with attendance, but it's one thing, come on, it's, it's one thing to show up and say, hey, I'm here. It's another thing to say, hey, I learned something. Like, I'm a listener, but I want to be a learner. See, it's not just showing up for the lesson, but it's the lesson showing up in you. See, when people show up in school and they just listen and they leave, they leave unchanged. But when they show up a learner, they apply what they learned and their life is different. Let me just illustrate what I'm trying to tell you. The difference between listeners and learners, the difference between Christians and disciples is how many of you at home, when you were in school, you took a foreign language, a foreign language? How many of you guys up here took a foreign language in school? So Latin, anybody take Latin? French? German? Those are, those are the three biggest besides Spanish. Did you all take Spanish? Okay. So in, in the school district I grew up, right, those were the four, Latin, German, French, or Spanish. Now, here's what's crazy. I took Spanish my very first time when I was in sixth grade. 
And it was required in sixth grade. It was required in seventh and eighth and ninth. And then from there on, uh, you know, I could just use it for credit. So I ended up taking from sixth grade all the way through till I graduated. I just did some really quick math. Again, in a 45-minute segment, which was at that time the typical period. I, and you at 180 days of school, that's over 800 hours of Spanish language education that I have. Hmm. Muy bueno. <laughs> 800 hours. That equals 35 days over a month straight of education, over a month straight of being a learner. Now, let me just tell you where that's going. So 2004, I took a mission trip. I've been on a mission trip before, but it's the first mission trip that I went to a Hispanic country. Went to Mexico, first Spanish-speaking country that I had ever been in. And I'm just going to be honest. I dropped down there, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hey, I, I got six years under the belt. I'm locked and loaded with the Spanish language. Like, I'm ready to go. Well, we were down there working on a construction site, and we were literally in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so one night, me and the two roommates I was with decided that we're going to drive in town, which this town was this, basically you could see this white dot on the horizon where there was a city. It's probably like a 45-minute drive. We get in the van, and we're driving down the road, and we start talking about how much we know the Spanish language just in case we get pulled over, we get lost. And they knew nothing. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about all the things I may be able to communicate if need be. And I'm just telling you, like, puedo afilar mi lapis. May I sharpen my pencil? Like, that's what I, I'm not sure how useful that was going to come in handy. And I knew how to ask for the baño. Where's the bathroom? But <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is, come on, I took six years that I sat through classes. I listened to instructors. I was a, I was a listener, but I wasn't a learner. I heard what they said, but I never applied it to my life. See, the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple is the difference between sitting in Spanish class and becoming fluent in the Spanish language. It's one thing to sit in church and take notes, but I'm telling you what God has called us to is not just to be a Christian and have a certain set of beliefs and listen to a certain number of messages, but what God has called us to is a lifestyle change of becoming like the person we're following, of getting behind Jesus and allowing who he is to become who we are. And that is a journey and it is a process and it is a growth time. But that's what we're called to, is to become like the one we're following. We are followers. That's why when I have opportunity, people ask me who I am. I'm not a Christian. I don't tell people I'm a Christian. I tell people I'm a Christ follower. I'm trying to become like the one I'm following. And I'm like you, sometimes I follow at a distance, but I always try to follow close and I always try to follow hard. And my goal is to become more and more like the one I'm following. And I'm, I'm more like him than I've ever been, but I'm not near enough like him. And that means I'm still on the journey. Many of you are still on the journey. So listen to me, don't allow condemnation in if you're not there yet. But if you wanna get there quicker, if you wanna become like your teacher more or quicker, then get closer, follow harder. Lean in more. Allow the teaching to get not just in you, but on you, because it'll change you. So here's what I have found out. I think many of you guys know this is true, is that we don't have a deficit of information, but application. There's no, de there's no deficit of information. I mean, I, I just heard this just the other day that the average person sitting at home watching online is listening to three services a week. Now, I know faith church people, come on, man, you're loyal. You ain't checking nobody else out. 
People are just checking it out. Come on, you can go online at any time and you can listen to Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes and Rod Parsley. You can listen to some of the best of the best. You can listen to all kinds of people. There's no deficit. There's no lack of information. The problem is we're not applying it. We're listening, but we're not learning. Come on, we did the baptism identification thing, but we've not done the, done the listening application thing. And that's what makes us a disciple. So the challenge for you and the challenge for me is man to stop just being defined by the most common name on this planet as a Christian. And let's begin to live up to the potential of being a disciple. The goal of being a disciple is not information, but transformation. It's not information, it's transformation. Do you know the Lord's Prayer? That's, that's great. Do you have Psalm 91 memorized? That's awesome, that's helpful. Do you know some of the Ten Commandments? You might be able to name a few. Probably some of you at home who've maybe been a part of Faith Church for a while, you might even be able to say, hey, pastor, I remember this one message you preached. I remember what you said. Man, it really spoke to me. While we have a lot of memories, and again, we got a lot of information, how are we living different because of God's word, because of the teacher teaching us? It's not about information. It's about transformation. Again, it's about becoming like the one we're following. And I just want you to know something, man. Again, I told you earlier that God's word is compared to seed. Did you know Jesus said that he gave a parable and he talked about this? He said that the seed is like the word of God. And it's just like a sower who goes out to sow seed. It's like a farmer who goes out to cast seed on his soil. And when he throws that seed down, one of the things that keeps the harvest from coming forth is Jesus says that the birds of the air come and devour the seed. And in the interpretation of the parable, Jesus says the birds of the air that come and devour the seed out of the ground and keep it from having a harvest is the devil that wants to come and snatch the word of God out of our hearts, wants you to not remember the word, not apply the word, not celebrate the word. And I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying is it's the equivalent. Either one doesn't have a harvest. Whether you allow the enemy to rob the seed from you or you never allow the seed to get planted in your life, the harvest is the same and it's none. But if we'll allow the word of God, not just to get into our ears, but get into our heart, it'll bring a life change. It'll bring a revolution. It'll bring a breakthrough. It'll bring a destiny. It'll bring a healing. It'll bring a miracle. It'll bring, come on, a next level lifestyle that Jesus has called us to. We can be like the one we followed if we follow hard enough and close enough because that's what it is to be a disciple. I'll close with these two thoughts. You're not done learning until you, until you believe what your teacher believes. And you're not done changing until you behave the way your teacher behaves. And that's a high goal, but with the help and the power of God's word and being intentional to put into practice what we learn. We are disciples. The level of our discipleship is determined by the level of our commitment. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have a teacher who loves me enough, who invites me on the journey, who teaches me, who's patient with me, who fathers me, who brings life to me, who shepherds me and he does you too. And so if you're watching this at home and you're like, hey, pastor, like I, I'm with you. I don't have this whole thing figured out and I'm not there yet, but I wanna grow in my spiritual journey. I wanna, I wanna become more like Jesus. If you're watching this and as I preach this, you're saying, man, I wanna become a better disciple. I wanna be a, not just a listener. I wanna be a learner. I just don't want an identification. I want an application. I wanna pray with you. And so father, I thank you in Jesus' name. I pray that God, this final message in this series, defining and tagging who we are, that we are disciples. I pray God, let it sink in. Let it really define how we live our life, how we sit, th how we sit through a service, 
how we process the message we hear. And I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, God, will make the word of God so tangible and manifest and real in our life that it will work in us like the one we're following. So Lord, help us to live the life and raise our life to the standard of being a disciple. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen. Hey, listen, man, if you're watching this and you've never taken the first step to even be a follower, I can just make tell you, man, right there where you are, you can decide to follow Jesus just to begin a journey by simply surrendering your heart. The first disciples had to throw down their nets and decide to follow Jesus. You're gonna have to let go of some things, but if you'll spend time, if you'll follow him, if you'll give him your heart, he'll change your life. And it's simply by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Come and rescue me. And if you'll pray a prayer like that, he'll meet you where you are. He will forgive your sin. And he'll change your life forever. And if you pray that prayer, I would encourage you just to take a moment and text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. I wanna pray with you and lead, lead you in that. If you're watching and you wanna make this decision, say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Help me to follow you. Help me to become like you. But I put all of my hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, man, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next weekend for a brand new series. We'll see you guys then.